Today is October 21st, 2021. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. This weekend, we have the Junior Lightweight Championship title on the line between Jermel Herring, making his fourth defense of the title, against Shakur Stevenson. That is Saturday on ESPN. But before I get into that, I wanted to take a step back because it's been about two weeks since Wilder Fury 3. And I said to myself, I want to give it some time. I didn't want to be prisoner of the moment. I wanted to give the fight time to breathe, and almost two weeks later, I still feel the same way as I did while watching it and immediately after it, and that is that that was one of the greatest fights we've seen in a very long time. I was actually trying to think of a fight that could come close to it in recent memory, and I found it kind of hard to think of one. Um, Canelo versus Triple G, they had two great fights, 24 rounds of nonstop action, two classics. But I like this one better. A few years back, Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko had a great heavyweight title fight. I like this one better. Um, Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz, the first fight, the amazing upset in New York City. That was tremendous. Had so much fun watching that fight. The underdog won. I still like this one better. It's hard to describe the feeling you get when you see something that you know is going to be talked about for years to come. It was universally praised by everyone from Hall of Fame fighters to current champions to fans around the world and writers alike. Everyone had something positive to say about the fight. Of course, there's going to be a few naysayers out there. You can't please everyone in the world. There's going to be critics to everything. But the vast majority loved the fight. And you could see why. If you watched it and you had a problem with it, chances are you had some some sort of bias which is fine. I mean, every fighter has their fans. If you're a huge fan of Wilder or a huge fan of Fury, of course you're going to feel a certain way about it. But if you didn't have a bias and you watched that fight with neutral eyes and you didn't enjoy what you were seeing, then maybe boxing isn't for you. Maybe synchronized swimming or checkers or something like that would be more up your alley. It was two men with it all on the line with real animosity, true dislike for each other, Fighting for the third time, both battled through adversity. Both guys went down. It was pretty much everything you could ask for in a fight. It was a time that made me, and I'm sure a lot of boxing boxing fans can relate, it made me proud to represent this sport and push it as much as I do and have a podcast dedicated to it and tell pretty much everyone I know about the fights that are coming up. It made me proud to say I'm a boxing fan and I'm – on record, telling you that was going to be the best fight of the three. And trust me, when you make a prediction in anything, there's obviously a chance you're going to be wrong. And it feels it feels rewarding to see. Uh, I had a couple guys at work come up to me that never talked to me about sports ever before. Came up to me that Monday following the fight and said, hey, you see that fight this weekend? And I said, you're damn right I saw that fight. Didn't you love it? Didn't you want to inject it into your veins? Didn't you want to put it in a bottle and keep it with you forever? That's how strongly I felt about this fight. There's plenty of times where I recommend a fight. And it turns out to be a dud. You know, you can't predict these things 100% of the time. I just had a feeling this was going to be the best top, the best fight between the three of them. One of the best fights of the year. But even... Even with the praise that I had for it before the fight, it exceeded my expectations by far. It was amazing. If you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. 
both guys were down, like I said. Deontay Wilder showed that his new trainer and the time he put in the gym actually paid off. From the opening bell, he was throwing a jab to the body. Literally, as soon as the bell rings, go back and watch. That jab is reaching out to the body, the soft body of Tyson Fury, which I discussed in the previous episode. I said that was one of the keys. If if Wilder's going to do anything different than he did in the second fight, as far as his performance goes, he was going to have to switch it up. He was going to have to set up the right hand. You can't just come in throwing the right hand all night. That's what he did early in the fight. I thought he won the first couple rounds. The third round, Fury lands a beautiful right hand behind the ear, just like he did in the second fight. And Fury's, um, excuse me, Wilder's equilibrium was all off after that shot behind the ear, just like it was in the first, in the second fight. And you're thinking, oh my God, here we go again. This guy's done. He didn't look good at all. He looked like he was ready to get stopped. Then he comes out in the fourth round, drops Fury, drops him twice, actually. The first right hand, I swear to God, it'll put any other man on this planet asleep. Go back and watch that. There's a clip going around where you can see the, the cameraman who was underneath the ropes has a perfect video of it with no uh, no commentary. All you can hear is the, the right hand landing flush on Fury's temple and the crowd reaction. It was amazing. I don't know how Fury got back up, but he did. And then he goes down again. I think it was because of the first shot. I don't think the second fight, the second punch landed that put him down was as devastating as the first. I think he was still stunned from the first one in the fourth round. Crazy shot. Fury somehow survives that round. I thought Fury, uh, Wilder won the fifth round, which was the round after the knockdowns. And then from round six to ten was pretty much Fury walking Wilder down and somehow walk at the same time he was walking through big shots from Wilder and I don't know how Wilder lasted that long it was a heroic a heroic effort it was tremendous heart backing up his words saying I want to go out on my shield <clears throat> excuse me he said I wanted to go out on my shield you don't th ever throw a towel in on me I will never quit I'm willing to die in that ring and he probably would have even when the fight gets stopped in the 11th round Wilder is still trying to get up it was just Tremendous stuff. Words cannot describe it. It was brilliant. It was highly entertaining. It left you on the edge of your seat the entire night, knowing that either fighter was one shot away from ending the night. And that's something you rarely get in the sport. It's high drama. It's something that only heavyweight greats can produce. And I think both guys came out the other end looking better than they did before. Truly historic. Um, the main story of the fight was Tyson Fury is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Not just because he beat Deontay Wilder, but it was the fashion in which he proved he could. He did it in the first fight. Not officially, it was ruled a draw. But in the first fight, he fought tremendously from the outside, using the jab, keeping the distance, using his legs, using his insane movement for that size. In the second fight, he completely mauled Wilder. Like a truck, like he said, like a, or like a train running through an SUV or whatever he said. He completely ran him down, fought on the inside. In the third fight, he did a little of everything. Uh, mainly, he fought on the inside. Mainly, he was coming forward, pushing Wilder back. But the fact that he got dropped twice and got back up and still had the mentality to, to fight the same way, he didn't keep his distance. He came forward again. It just showed he has pretty much everything you need. He has the size. He has the speed. He has the hand speed. He has the two-handedness. He can fight... Southpaw or orthodox. His movement, his stamina, his guts, his balls. He does everything you want 
in a fighter. And I say he's one of the greatest of all time because you put him in every era. And I'm not saying he's going to clear out any era. There's some tremendous guys from the 70s that he would probably lose to in the 90s for that matter. But if you look at Fury and you look at every other heavyweight, they just aren't as big as him. His size matters at some point. The guy's damn near 300 pounds and he can move like a cruiserweight. It's something that in the history of the sport we haven't seen. Guys are bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, he doesn't look like a great athlete. But when that bell rings, it changes your mind. Put it that way. I expect both guys to get big fights after this. Neither guy has any plans of retirement. Um, and I think this fight is just something that's going to be remembered forever. Once they retire, we're really going to look back on this night and say, wow, remember that fight, the third fight between Wilder Fury? Wasn't it a classic? And I think both guys um, earn the respect of the fans if they didn't already have it. We could talk about their shenanigans outside the ring, the excuses that Fury had, um, the excuses that Wilder had, the COVID stuff, all that bullshit. That doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we watch this fight. We watch this fight. We watch this sport in general for the skills, but also the violence. Let's be real here. We're not looking at these guys to be our role models. We're looking for violent activity from both guys. So when people nitpick about how, oh, these guys, uh, Wilder didn't want to shake his hand after the fight, and that's poor sportsmanship. Give me a break. This this whole sport is filled with corruption and cheating and guys getting robbed, stuff like that. And we're going to draw the line at sportsmanship, really? When you see guys in the NFL and the NBA play games all the time and after they don't shake hands, okay, that's fine. You don't have to love your opponent. And those guys are playing a game. Boxing isn't a game. These guys put their life on the line, punching each other in the face. Let's be real here. If dudes don't want to shake hands, who gives a shit? So I didn't have a problem with them not shaking hands after it. These guys legitimately don't like each other. But it was nice to see um, Wilder did, did congratulate Fury for the memories and gave him credit for the victory. So there's really nothing anyone can complain about after that. We've seen Manny Pacquiao complain about his shoulder after Floyd Mayweather outclassed him. We've seen guys talk about they have a bad ankle, they were sick, this and that. We've seen excuses from everyone. But when they get in the ring, none of that matters. Like I said, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons we watch this sport is because of the violence and the brutality. This isn't a PC thing. This is wild, wild west. Anything goes in this sport. Let's not be critical of how guys treat each other after a fight. But Enough about that fight. I'm sure we'll be talking about it for years to come. On to this Saturday. Shakur Stevenson, one of the bright young stars of the sport, is challenging Jamel Herring for his junior lightweight title. Herring has had, I believe, four successful defenses of his title, the WBO part of the championship. And I expect a very technical matchup. I don't, I'm not going to lie to you here. I'm not going to say this is going to be a brawl. I'm not going to say this is going to be the most exciting fight of the year. Because it's really, I don't expect it to be super exciting. But what it lacks in excitement, it has in importance. I believe this is a super important fight for the sport of boxing in general. Shakur Stevenson is one of the bright young stars. And he's also one of the most highly skilled fighters in the game, period, regardless of age. So this is very important for him to finally gain a title in the division that has real high-level competition. Jamel Herring, Oscar Valdez... Both hold titles in this division. 
Shakur wants to make a statement, wants to arrive on the scene. He's always been talked about as a prospect. Uh, the future is bright with him, like I just said. Everyone talks about the future when it comes to Shakur. Well, Saturday night, the future is now. The time is now. If he wants to become a mega star in this sport, which I think he has the potential to become, he needs to make a statement Saturday. I can't see him out here simply winning 12 rounds to zero in a boring fight. That, to me, will be a failure. Yes, you want to win. Yes, you want to become a champion. But if you want to have your name at the top when you talk about the faces of the sport, you have to be exciting. You have to bring people to the tape. You have to bring people to the TV screen. You have to bring eyeballs to the sport. You have to have people clamoring to buy a ticket to see Shakur Stevenson. And while me and many other hardcores will watch him no matter what because we appreciate the skill, we appreciate how he can outclass a guy, you have to be entertaining on top of that. If this fight, and and this isn't a knock on Herring. Herring is a great champion. Herring is a very tough test. Herring is the biggest fight of Shakur's career. But if Shakur goes into this fight and he is making and he is making uh, Jamel Herring look like he doesn't belong, completely clowning him in the ring, say he's up eight rounds to zero, which I'm not saying is my prediction. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Say he's up eight rounds to zero. It's time to step on the gas. You gotta make, you gotta take a little bit of a calculated risk here. I'm not saying go in there and just throw your hands and and be stupid and get caught with something, but apply pressure. Last fight, actually, I believe in his career in general, he only throws about 25 punches per round. That isn't very much. He has to be more active. He has to step on the gas, apply pressure, try and go for the stoppage. Shakur isn't a one punch knockout artist. He's not, but the accumulation and his accuracy is enough to get a guy out of there if he wants to. His last opponent, Nakathila, guy did not belong in the ring. The guy was a full-time cop. Shakur should have got him out of there in seven rounds or less. He didn't. What he did do was completely outclass him for 12 straight rounds, and that is impressive in its own. It takes very, um, it takes a lot of focus. It takes a very disciplined fighter to really outbox a guy for 12 straight rounds and be on point the entire time, and that's what Shakur was. I'm not saying he looked bad in the fight, but it was a very boring fight. People turned it off, and that, that's just the honest truth. People changed the channel. People were, were bored by it, and that is not how you become a superstar. If he continues on this path of having boring fights, even though winning is great, of course, that's the most important thing. It's just to win, but if you continue to have boring fights, you're going to be in a position like a guy, Demetrius Andrade, who is very talented, highly skilled, one of the best defensive fighters in the, in the world. Um, I believe he's the only guy with less connects against than Shakur. So that's why I make the comparison. Both Southpaws, both American fighters. But the problem that Demetrius has, who is entering his mid-30s now, he's undefeated. He's a champion. He has a lot of accomplishments in the sport. But one thing he cannot do is he can't get the other big fighters to get in the ring with him. And he can't get an arena to be sold out outside of his hometown, which is Providence, Rhode Island. So I fear that Shakur would go down that same path. And I'm not saying he is yet. It's He's still very young. He still has, he still has time to, to change that narrative. But the time is Saturday night, October 23rd, on ESPN against Jamel Herring. That's the time. Make a statement. You're going to have the world watching. You're on ESPN, free TV. Make a statement, Shakur. Put him out if you can. And that is no knock on Herring. Herring is a very good fighter. Herring 
I'd say he does everything very good, nothing great, but he does everything very good. He's very versatile. He's also a Southpaw. This is a Southpaw and Southpaw crime. Both guys are very disciplined. Both guys aren't going to make many mistakes in the ring. Shakur is super sharp, throws pretty much every punch in the book with precision. Nothing looks soft, nothing looks sloppy. Everything looks crisp. Everything looks on point. He's very economical, doesn't waste his punches. Throws only about 25 per round, where Herring throws closer to 50 per round. So a little higher output by Herring. I think he needs to up that even more for this fight. Kind of muddy the waters, if you will. Make it uncomfortable for Shakur. Because if everything's perfect, Shakur is going to completely outclass you. If you're trying to just sit there and box traditionally with Shakur, that's probably the worst game plan you could possibly have. You're going to lose that way. Herring needs to close the distance, get on the inside. He has good power on the inside. He dropped Frampton multiple times in that last fight. And if Shakur fights on the inside with him, I think that'll be Herring's best chance. Try and lure him to the inside. Make it rough. Make it a little bit uglier than Shakur's used to. This is the most experienced guy Shakur's been in the ring with as a professional. Um, don't take that lightly as if Shakur doesn't have experience. Shakur spars with Terrence Crawford, sparred with Tiafimo, sparred with many guys at a high level before Lomachenko. So he does all his work in the gym behind closed doors. But when the lights are bright, that's when it truly matters, and Herring will be his toughest test. Herring's best punch is probably the straight left to the head. I think Shakur, like I said, he has a huge variety of punches, but his best punch to me would be the straight left to the body. Both southpaws, both throwing straight lefts. But Shakur's body shot and Herring's head shot are probably the two best. So look for Herring to up his output, make Shakur work more than he ever has. Only 25 punches around, that's not very much. So try and try and lure him into a fight. Not a boxing match, a fight. Make it ugly. That's his best chance at defending his title. And Shakur's best chance to me would be just stick to the basics. Outbox this guy. Jab him. Stay on the outside. Jab this guy to death and simply outskill him. And you could stink out the joint if you want. Don't listen to Juan Acevedo. I'm not the one paying your checks. So you do whatever you can to win. I just hope as a fan that he at some point presses the action, makes the statement, and even if he doesn't get the stoppage, at least tries to get the stoppage and really put a hurting on him. Make this your coming out party. Put the world on notice. Because a few years ago, when everyone compared these young fighters to legends in the Four Kings, which is a terrible comparison. These guys haven't done anything yet. But when they compared the young fighters to the Four Kings, they were talking about Tiafimo Lopez, Tank Davis, Devin Haney, and Ryan Garcia. And Shakur was kind of like, hey, what about me? I'm, you could argue I'm more skilled than all four of those guys. Don't leave me out. Well... Those four guys are ahead of him as far as star power, that's for sure. And they've all accomplished more up to this date. And the thing with the, all four of them, they have been tested. So we want to see if Shakur can pass this test. Devin Haney was rocked by Jorge Linares at the end of the 10th round. He survived the 11th and 12th to win the fight. That was fighting adversity. That was, that was showing you can overcome things when it doesn't go your way. How is Shakur going to react when things don't go his way? Maybe we'll find out Saturday night. Tiafimo had to overcome um, Nakatani, who was a six-foot-tall lightweight, tallest guy in the division, very awkward, was walking through Tiafimo's power shots. 
that was something he had to adjust to. He overcame that, came back, and ended up knocking Richard Comey out to win a world title, and then got the fight with Lomachenko, which he um, clearly outboxed him for the first six rounds. And then in the 12th round, when a lot of people thought it was up for grabs, he bit down and landed the most punches on Lomachenko that anyone ever, anyone else has in his entire career. So that was Tiafimo going through adversity, um, Devin Haney going through adversity, Javonzi Tank Davis in his last fight moved up two weight classes to fight Mario Barrios, had some difficulties in that fight, overcame that, ended up winning by knockout. He overcame adversity. And then Ryan Garcia in the beginning of this year got dropped by Luke Campbell. He got back up and he won with a devastating body shot. Picture perfect shot. Go back and watch that one. So all four of those guys have proven that when things don't go quite their way, they could still overcome and still get the victory. We haven't seen anyone test Shakur yet. So maybe Saturday night on ESPN, I believe it starts at 9 p.m. Check your local listings, as they say. But I believe the fight is at 9 on ESPN, free TV. All you got to do is turn on ESPN and watch Shakur Stevenson, one of the brightest young stars in the sport, do his thing against Jamel Herring for a championship title. Also on that card is Xander Zayas, one of the other young stars in the sport, only 19 years old, all-action fighter. He's 4-0 this year. He's looking to go 5-0, looking to win prospect of the year. He's fighting at junior middleweight. He's moving up. He used to fight at welterweight. He's um, definitely one of the kids to watch. He's in the gym with Danny Jacobs. He's in the gym with Tia Fimo. He's in the gym with Caleb Plant. He's got a lot of good guys around him. I think there's bright things in his future, but definitely keep an eye on him. That's Xander Zayas fighting on the Shakur Stevenson undercard this Saturday. That's all I have for you this week. But the train will keep on rolling. Like I said a few episodes ago, Wilder Fury was pretty much the kickoff of the most insane schedule we've had in a long time to close the year. This week, Shakur and Herring. The following week, we got Jerron Boots Ennis, another bright young star in the sport. The week after that is Canelo vs. Plant for Undisputed. The week after that, we got David Benavidez back in action. We got Gabe Rosado and Jaime Munguia also fighting on the same day. The week after that is Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter. The week after that is Tiafimo Lopez back in action. Things are looking up. After the cancellations all summer, we really needed to close the year with some strong cards, and that's really what we've been doing since the beginning of the month. So let's hope it continues. Oh, and before I go, I had a question I wanted to ask everyone. Please let me know the answer. It's kind of a weird one, but nerdy sports fans like myself will definitely relate. Um, a couple weeks ago, the week of the Wilder Fury fight, I was thinking to myself, wow, what a week. What a seven-day stretch. I had probably, I'm not going to say the most, but one of the most exciting weeks of sports I've ever had in my life. And I want to break it down really quick. Tell me if you have one similar. Please tell me what um, events took place during that stretch. For me, it was. It started on October 5th. October 5th, the Yankees and Red Sox played in a one-game playoff, right? The Red Sox beat them to advance to the ALDS. That was on a Tuesday. On the Friday, the Red Sox win uh, their first game of the ALDS. On the Saturday was the heavyweight classic between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. On the Sunday, my Cowboys beat the Giants handedly. They improved to 4-1 and one at the time. That same day, I switched over from the Cowboys to the Red Sox game because Cowboys will always take precedent over pretty much anything in life. I turn over to the Red Sox game. The Red Sox are in the ninth inning. That game ended up going to the 14th inning, and they win with a walk-off home run. 
They win the game and go up in the series 2-1. to one. The next day on Monday, the Red Sox win the series with a walk-off again in the bottom of the ninth. They win that game 6-5. At the end of that game, I switch over to Monday Night Football. I see Lamar Jackson tie the game after being down 25-9. to nine. He scored like 22 unanswered points, threw for over 440 yards, won the game 31-25 to 25 in OT. Lamar, I'm a big fan of him. He's one of the most exciting athletes in the world. Love watching him. But that wrapped up a seven-day stretch of just insane sports. One of the most entertaining seven-day stretches I can ever remember. And then if you want to throw in AEW, which was also great that week, that's another thing to add to it. And friends of mine wonder why I haven't watched a lot of regular shows. They always recommend me shows. I have a whole list to go through that I haven't gone through yet. And I now maybe they'll know why. I haven't watched all these shows because I get tremendous sports action pretty much every day of the week, especially in October where every sport is on now. The NBA's back. Nobody cares about that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm always bashing the NBA. I just don't like the way the game is even played this, these days. The game has changed a lot since I was a kid. But that's just my opinion. Everyone has one. Please let me know what you think. Again, a seven-day stretch of sports that was insane. Please let me know if you have any. Share the podcast. Like it. Subscribe. Listen to it on mute. I don't give a damn. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights. I'm out.